Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, I want to start with this quote. I practiced the law. I practically perfected it. I've seen injustice in the world, and I've corrected it. Words from the musical Hamilton, but they could well have been from my guest today, who has spoken of a strong sense of justice that inspired her to study law. Stephanie Boyce is the vice president of the Law Society and is set to become its president. Only the sixth woman to hold the post and the first black person, or indeed person from any minority ethnic background, to do so in almost its 200-year history. Her family say they came from the Caribbean in search of faith, hope and opportunity. And to talk about this and more, Stephanie, welcome to Changemakers. An absolute pleasure, Madam President, to have you on the, to have you on the show. I think you might well be the first president that I've, or president-elect that I've, I, I've interviewed. And let's talk about that historic new job. First of all, congratulations and tell us about um, the role you're about to take on. Thank you very much, Michael. Um, just listening to you do that introduction uh, uh, just made me uh, just, uh, yes, t- took my breath away. And it still takes my breath away to know uh, that I will become, in October 2021 this year, uh, President of the Law Society of England and Wales. Uh, a remarkable achievement. Um, and after four attempts, uh, four times it took me to, to be successful, um, it's uh, my dream finally being realised. I mean, it, it, obviously, for the non-lawyers about uh, among us, I mean, we we think of the law society as a a very august body, um, the sort of thing where you're going to meet sort of traditional um, suited and booted lawyers. But I mean, Stephanie, you are you're you're a rebel. I think a disruptor. I mean, I I mean, when you look at the sorts of people that have inspired you, they are the change makers. Um, you know, in, in the lockdown list that accompanies this episode, you, you've got people like Mahatma Gandhi, a great lawyer who inspired civil rights movements across the world. Are you ready for the Law Society and, and are they ready for you? Well, <laughs> absolutely. You know, um, this is how change comes about. Change comes about by people wanting to make a difference, to see a difference. Um, And as I say, after four attempts, you know, um, I I stood because I believe that I had something to offer, something different. Um, And, you know, and I'm grateful to everyone who elected me, everybody who supported me in this position. Um, So it's it's a contested election. Yes. So I was elected by a hundred members of council of my peers um, uh, and, you know, an election campaign that went on and I had a campaign manager and so forth. I thought I'd do it right the fourth time. Um, But but yes, elected from um, uh, uh, council members who um, see the value uh, and saw the potential and value in me. And I'm grateful to them for this opportunity. It's a remarkable Mm. opportunity, a remarkable profession. uh, And I'm grateful to be here. Only the sixth woman um, to hold the post, um, the first black person and the first minority ethnic person to hold this post. Tell us what that means to you and also what you intend to do to make the most of that uniqueness in terms of the position that you're about to hold. It, what it means to me, as I say, it still takes my breath away to hear that. And indeed, when I was uh, telephoned to, to um, and informed of the results, uh, I was walking up Chancery Lane and I just stopped and I burst into tears. It absolutely took my breath away. The thing is, is that, um, you know, as Mahatma Gandhi said, you know, to be the change that you want to see in the world. Um, and people often talk about if you can't see it, you can't be it. 
Um, and that's the whole point. When we were asked at Hustings, there was four of us in the last uh, election, last contested election. And when we were asked, as I remember the question, um, if you are successful, how will you uh, promote diversity, equality and inclusion? And the night before, we'd been given a report. And in that report, it gave me every reason as to why, as a, as a black woman in the legal profession, every reason, statistic to support me not succeeding. And so I had all of that going around in my head. But for me, my answer was simple. I said that I would be visible, that I would role model it. And it's absolutely right. I've dedicated my steps aside from practice to do this role full time. So uh, I can inspire people from all backgrounds, hopefully, from all walks of life. Because I suppose, you know, as far as the law, as far as it's concerned, in terms of the, the, the legal firms, is that it is um, involved um, in a world where it has to attract interesting, brilliant young people um, to be to be part of that. I mean, a lot of a lot of the things that I read about is the young Stephanie, the strong sense of justice um, and indeed injustice, the idea that the law could be where you could make a difference. Um, a lot of lawyers, though, when they get into it, are profoundly disappointed in their ability to do that. I mean, can you be the change when you actually get into the system? Well, absolutely. It's, you know, and, and for me, that was about determination. It was about resilience. Um, and, you know, um, so I started off, I qualified in 2002. I started off in private practice. And when I look back at my life, you know, um, and, and coming from America, as I was schooled, my primary, secondary schooling was done in America. I came back to uh, England because I wanted to study in this jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of England and Wales. Um, and, you know, when I look at in terms of funding, my socioeconomic background, the affordability, but all of those hurdles, if you like, that I overcame in order to pursue my dream as I see it. Um, mm. So you've got to be resilient. You've got to be determined. And, you know, and I say you've got to keep pushing and push persevere until something happens. You mentioned the, the word dream. And I think it's interesting because when you were speaking, I was thinking about, you know, your early years in the States growing up where, you know, the idea of the American dream is 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 such a such an important part of the folklore in terms of mobility. And then I was thinking about your mum and dad coming from the Caribbean and your dad, you know, in he he might well have been a lawyer. That actually he that was one of the things I believe that he was he was interested in. But actually, the, the, the journey was based on the ideal of faith, hope and opportunity. Pick mm. up the story as it, as it pertains to you, Stephanie, in terms of, I guess, that family background and the values that it instilled um, in you um, in terms of the person you've become. Well, absolutely. My grandfather was the first to come. Uh, he's no longer with us, but my grandfather was literate. Um, but he instilled inside of us um, this idea that we were to make something of ourselves. He never said what, but we were to make something of ourselves. And and he fed me, you know, his hopes and his dreams. I lived with my grandfather for, for, for quite a while, um, you know, whilst I was going through uh, law school, university and so forth. Um, and then turning to uh, 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 my parents, uh, my grandmother came in, uh, I think, 1962, my father in 1964, my mother in 1967 to England. Obviously, my parents didn't know each other at that point. But, you know, my own father at the age of 12 
uh, uh, left formal education because my grandmother couldn't afford to pay for him to go on to higher education, i.e., you know, the next step in, in formal education. And so he was forced to leave school. But he talked about, you know, uh, uh, as he used to quiz us as children, you know, um, and, in, and, in, and instilled inside of us the value of education. And for me, education is absolutely transformational. It makes a difference. I mean, the thing I was thinking about is, I mean, you, you come across as an incredibly driven, ambitious person. And, you know, I wondered to what degree was that having parents that were, you know, interested in the idea of your mobility, your opportunity, the idea of a hopeful life? Um, to what degree did that help you shape some of the ambition to go out and, you know, conquer big goals and 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 deliver a life of, of opportunity I think for me it was you know the stories listening to the stories that they told the fact that they left the Caribbean to come to a foreign land a cold land my grandfather used to talk about how cold it was here um the fact that you know he saw snow for the first time um you know and, and the stories that you know uh, uh, uh that my mother told, my father told about, you know, having to wash the, 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 the washing in the in the back garden and so forth and, and outdoor toilets. Um, and again, that idea that I could not forsake my grandparents or my parents indeed by not doing something with my life because they had made sacrifices and it was incumbent upon me to do something to, 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 to lift myself up. I couldn't disrespect them by not doing anything. I mean, I, I interviewed um, June Sarpong um, from the BBC, who, who, who you might know, and, and she was talking about um, really the black experience in the States and, and the US. And, and her point was that in the UK, there's better integration, but the US experience is one where opportunity is a big part of the, the ideal, the story. Um in terms of your compare and contrast, you know, having having been educated in, in the state, I mean, some of that ambition feels straight out of the US playbook. I mean, is, is that the sort of part of the lucky vital ingredient in, in your story, do you think? Possibly. I, I think absolutely. I think looking back, America was the turning point for me. You know, going to America at the age of 12, I had been thrust into this unknown world uh, from the sleepy market town in Buckinghamshire to a military base in Plattsburgh, upstate New York. Um, you know, people were different. The culture was different. Um, everything was different. Um, but America, the ideal of the American dream, if you could touch it, if you could just get to it. Um, and, and for me, American would have a lasting impression upon me. It still has a lasting impression upon me, you know, but, but quite rightly, the experiences that I experienced there um, would shape me uh, uh, into that, that person uh, who, who was driven just to do uh, and pursue my dream. I mean, I mean, it strikes me you're not a person that likes closed doors. I mean, I, I, your top tip for life is every door is open if you push, perseverance until something happens. I mean, you know, you, you chose a career um, where it's not renowned for its opportunities for women and certainly not for black women. And yet you've reached the absolute pinnacle of it as the new president of the Law Society. In terms of that, that journey that, that you embarked upon from qualifying as a solicitor and then finding your way in, 
in the profession. What did you learn about yourself? And and do you think you'd do you think it would be different for you if you were starting again now um, than than it was then? I think if if I was starting today, January the twelfth, twenty twenty one, I think it's difficult because of COVID. COVID, well, yeah. you know, yeah has really shot <laughs> yeah yeah with the obvious point that covid is stopping everyone from being together yes no so yes quite right yeah but but also because we've seen cutbacks you know i was fortunate enough to be the recipient of a grant uh you know i received funding although i did have to borrow money uh, uh you know because i didn't have the bank of you know parents or or grandparents although my grandfather provided me with refuge but but I didn't have that financial support. But and the more for me, one of the other things I say is, you know, the advice that people will give you is not necessarily, you know, you've got to know which advice to take and which advice to leave alone. And if I had listened to people, you know, when I was applying for loans, as I did, um, and people were saying, you know, you're going to end up in debt, you know, it will take a lifetime to pay off that debt. You know, the law is not for you. And I still hear that today. And I say to people, you know, don't listen to that. You have to do what you, you know, the dream is inside of you. It wasn't given to anyone else. It's what's inside of you. And that, as I say, what has driven me. And I think even today, I would have still, because I've always been fascinated with the law, always wanted to be from an early age, as early as I can remember, always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, mm. And so that was the dream. And there were people who told me, you know, don't go into the law. But, but I was that's, quite, that's quite an entrepreneurial um, side to your nature as well. I mean, I suppose as well as the kind of, you know, the, the, the internal quest to pursue a career about justice, there is, you know, quite often in a lot of entrepreneurial stories, you, you'll, you'll hear that point of, no, don't do it. These are the obstacles um, that that will will defeat you. But but for you, that those were, I, I guess, the things that partially motivated you. Were they in terms of actually pushing on through and 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 proving to yourself that it could be done? Well, absolutely, and proving to other people because the more they told me I couldn't, was the more I was determined that I could. Um, and you know, even thinking about. Uh, my election after four attempts to uh, to become an office holder you know there were people who told me you know go home and rest Stephanie you're embarrassing yourself we will never in our lifetime see an ethnic minority become president of the law society um, and it was all those things that I pushed against and wasn't prepared to listen to mm. I mean I mean did you in terms of your own life experience um I interviewed um, Ruby McGregor Smith, Baroness McGregor Smith, as she as she now is, and and and, and of course she's done a, a lot of work on really, you know, the, I, I guess the underutilized potential of minority ethnic talent in the workplace. In terms of barriers in your career, did you ever feel that that race and identity? ever stopped you were there were there moments where you faced that ceiling head on and thought I just can't get past this I'm sure there was you know but for me that the 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 message the story is about uh, uh pushing ahead is about succeeding because the reality is we have all faced challenges obstacles discrimination you know um but we all want the same thing and that is equality of opportunity to be respected, to be realised, our potential to be realised. 
Um, and so for me, it wasn't, and I know individuals who will, who will stumble at the first hurdle and, you know, and they will give up. Um, but for me, this is where resilience comes into it. This is where picking yourself up, because there were times when I got knocked down um, and I cried uh, and I thought, why am I not getting through? But looking back, it was those uh, uh, those delays, if you like, those twists, those turns, those detours that made me stronger, made me more determined. And, and I suppose the the issue is that are you the signal of, of where this goes from here? Because, you know, m- most of the professions are well known for recruiting from similar social um social settings from um similar university um experiences and you are a person that that stands apart from that and i suppose a lot of people will say well we hope that stephanie is the signal in terms of the change um and there's very much the shape of things to come in terms of being a more a more diverse and inclusive profession Others will say, actually, this is a one-off example, and look at the look at the wider data in terms of just the sheer numbers involved, and and the figures don't look good. Where do you stand? Is the law changing fast enough, and and do you feel optimistic about that change? I am hopeful, Michael. The law is changing. Um, the, the profession is the legal profession is a diverse profession, or at least the solicitor profession is very diverse in terms of you know where we practice, what we practice. But of course, we must, as lawyers, represent the society we seek to serve. Um, you know, sixteen point five percent of solicitors are from a Black Asian minority ethnic background. Just under fifty two percent are female. You know, women now outnumber men in terms of solicitors uh, uh, practicing solicitors. But there is more to be done um, to really achieve uh, uh, parity in this profession. And I have been clear that it's my intention to leave this profession more diverse and inclusive than the one I entered. And that is absolutely why I have, as I say, stepped aside from practice to dedicate myself full time to this role, because I promised uh, uh, the Law Society many things. But above that, two things that I would be visible and that I would take the Law Society to places that it's never been. And so to other professions. If I can just push you, though, in, I mean, you make, you make the, the relevant point that, you know, that, that, that there's a lot of change in terms of the, you know, I, I guess the numbers in terms of solicitors and, and, you know, how that is changing. But when you look at the actual, the highest levels of partners and, and senior partners, that, that, that seems to be a reasonably static part of the picture i mean do you think that that is where we might see the most dramatic change in the years to come in terms of where the power dynamics of magic circle firms for example and and other um you know senior kind of legal counsel positions actually start to evolve and change well, absolutely. It takes, you know, uh, uh, as I say, to, to, to leave a, or to achieve a more inclusive and diverse profession. It must be a shared ambition, taking 
each and every one of us playing our part. And that's from the most senior uh, professionals, the, more, the most senior decision makers, right through to, the, to those who are in HR, to right through to um, how we think about and distribute work, how, to, how we hire individuals and so forth. So one of the things that the Law Society has done is we put together, following the abhorrent events earlier uh, or late la or earlier in the year last year, is we put together uh, 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 some roundtables. And we came out last year with a report uh, that was aimed at uh, the experiences of Black, Asian, minority ethnic solicitors in the profession. Um, and coupled with that, we then said to other leading members of the legal profession, you know, let's get together, let's discuss ways that we can really move this discussion on because enough is enough. You know, mm. you, this profession should be open to all, regardless of... Well, I mean, and, and I just want to... You know, obviously, you mentioned last year, and obviously the summer saw the major marches of, of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, of, you know, a pretty all-encompassing debate um, among a lot of businesses where a lot of the conclusions were not enough is being done. Um, actually, things have really got to change. How, how did that play out within within the law, within, you know, a profession that some might say, well, you know, it's very conserv conservative, resistant to change. I mean, did the Black Lives Matter, did the moments that, that, that people saw on TV permeate or indeed were involved with, by the way, did they permeate into, you know, the sort of the, the boardrooms of, of law firms to actually say, well, actually, let, let's take a look at ourselves in the mirror? Well, absolutely. So a number of firms, a number of legal businesses put out statements. The Law Society put out a statement in support of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement um, and, you know, what was going on uh, and denouncing discrimination because it has no uh, racism, has no place in uh, a profession as ours. Um, and so uh, uh, other businesses have gone, gone even further and introduced targets uh, and have set targets uh, uh, around appointing uh, uh, black Asian minority ethnic individuals to their most senior rungs. Um, and of course, that is all welcomed. And the Law Society, uh, uh, in, in respect of its own work, has got together and put together um, under the umbrella of ACT Achieving Change Together. We started with roundtables, um, and that will culminate uh, across the presidency of our current president, David Green, and myself, um, and our, probably our deputy vice president as well, uh, as to how we really move the dial on, how we move mm. the discussion on, and we start to see impact, we start to see change. I was going to say, because I think a lot of people will say well, it's got to be more than roundtables, there's got to be action that's associated with it, and, and that actually it needs to have some fierce urgency in terms of the way that um, organisations um, pick up the baton on this. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to become president in, in October when hopefully um, the experience of COVID-19 um, will feel very different to the one we're currently living through. When you look to that future from a kind of, you know, as, as a hopeful, positive person, in terms of the environment for the law and, and the change you seek to, to make um, as president, how, how do you expect the landscape to, um, uh, what, do you, what do you expect to be finding at, at that point when you, be, when you take up that role as president? Well, I hope, because I'm hopeful, that COVID uh, uh, would be behind us, that we will start to 
that we would have started to have reset, rebuild, and really rethink our ways of working, our ways of interaction, that we're a kinder society, that we are a more inclusive and diverse profession. Um, but as I say, that all of those things starts with a wider discussion, starts with all of us playing our part. Um, you know, technology, for instance, COVID managed to get the legal profession to embrace technology within 48 hours. It perhaps otherwise would have taken us over the legal profession, taken us more than 10 years to do. Um, you know, but we and there is a need to embrace the benefits, the positive benefits of technology um, and how that can work to the benefit of our clients. Access to justice is, you know, another uh, area that, um, you know, when we look at access to justice and people's ability or inability to access justice, technology, there is a role for technology to play. But we must address the infrastructure that goes with that, um, mm. because there's no point saying you've got the devices if you can't afford uh, the broadband, the connection, the connectivity to, uh, to utilise uh, uh, um, the equipment. Now, uh, one of your lockdown soundtracks um, was Giant by um, Calvin Harris and Rag and Bone yep. Man. And, and you, you, you said that um, since being elected as Deputy Vice President, it's been your ringtone. And, and the lyric yep. is, I am a giant. Stand up on my shoulders. Tell me what you see. Tell me about giants and tell me what you see, Stephanie. Well, I am a giant. I mean, how that came about was that uh, actually my brother, I hadn't heard it. And my brother, uh, 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 the great footballer, Emerson Boyce, uh, he forwarded it to me uh, before I, um, I became uh, Deputy Vice President. Um, and I kept listening to it and listening to it. And I'm a firm believer, as many of us will be, that anything that follows the words I am must come to you. So I am a giant. Uh, uh, I just, you know, you stand tall, you stand strong. And we are all standing on the, sh on the shoulders of giants people who have gone before. Um, and so for me, every time I hear the ringtone that I haven't changed to this date and probably won't, but every time I hear that, it reminds me that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants and it is my responsibility, it is our responsibility to lift people up, not to you know, uh, be detrimental to people in any way, but take people with us. Um, and therefore, you know, I stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, uh, uh, so that's what it means for me. It's, it's empowering. I mean, empowerment has been such a big theme of this interview in terms of actually how you've, you know, how you've taken control of your career, your identity. Now you're going to take, you know, sort of the helm of, of, a, of an organisation um, which is the professional body for solicitors. When you go back to that quote you shared with us in terms of the top tip, every door is open if you push. In terms of what we might see Stephanie pushing through in terms of the door of that next step, that next change, what, what if we were to sort of like take a view of what does a successful presidency look like from your perspective? What's the door you've got to open? I think the door that I have to open is the one that we are opening, and that is getting colleagues 
uh, uh, you know, not just in the legal profession, because the problems that we're experiencing in the legal profession, which is perhaps one of the more diverse of the professions, um, is that, you know, this is a discussion that we all need to have uh, in the professions, in our homes, you know, in wider society. And that is, there is something in my mind inherently wrong when you look at someone and you see their colour, their gender, you know, their socioeconomic status, all of those things, age, disability and so forth, you know, there's room for us all in this beautiful world. We all have a role to play. And it is right that we have equality. You know, we have parity and we're able to show our true potential um, because there are other Stephanie voices waiting out there, uh, uh, you know, to, to succeed. Um, so, you know, let's give them an opportunity. Stephanie, I think I'd vote for that. For that beautiful world. Um, room room in it for all of us. Absolutely right. Thank you very much um, for joining me on Changemakers. And, and there you've heard it, Stephanie Boyce, the changemaking lawyer, breaking down barriers and set to act as a source of inspiration for future generations. I think it's been a story of someone who says no to the narrative that's been written for them, has taken control of their own destiny and persevered until something happens. Or in her own words, every door is open if you push. I'll see you next time on Changemakers. Thank you.